You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. And welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. If you're new around here, I would love if you subscribed, if you followed at the Preppy Podcast on Instagram, and if you checked out thepreppypodcast.com and shopped some of the merch. But today we are talking with Grace Hamlin, a lifestyle blogger who covers everything from fashion to motherhood um, to home decor and more. I love chatting with Grace about why and how she got started blogging and the decisions behind what she post on her Instagram, and we might even share a little sneak peek of a collab that she's working on that I might have something to do with too. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. I would love to. So my name is Grace Hamlin. I live in Bradenton, Florida, which is just south of Tampa. And I am a full-time influencer, content creator, still trying to figure out what to call myself. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been working my way for the past few years into building um, gracehamlin.com. I love that. I've been following you along on Instagram for, I feel like, a bunch of years now. And I've loved seeing you evolve yes. and grow and your content, all of that. Thank you. So I'd love to hear what your childhood was like. Were you someone that, you know, was into fashion or um, maybe having tea parties with their dolls or were you creative? Like, where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like? Yes, absolutely. The tea party with the dolls gets right <laughs> into it for me um, uh, because I wasn't as much into fashion, although I did. I love to shop always. I loved putting together outfits uh, for my mom and for friends. But more even than that, I loved home decor and party planning. So the best part about the tea parties with the dolls was, and of course, Samantha, uh, American Girl doll, um, was setting the table and getting the whole vibe ready. And then from a home decor aspect, I have interior sketches from as young as like second grade, um, where I would just sketch a whole room in pillows and greenery and everything. And we would have free draw time at school. And there I was just like sketching a room design. And my parents were really supportive of my interest in this. And my mom would take me along with her to go to antique stores and go shopping, especially as she was like building our home and working on that. She really made sure I had a front row seat because she know how much I she probably had to take me along because, you know, <laughs> mom life. But also, mm -hmm. like, she made sure that my voice was heard and asked me what I liked, what I didn't like, and then, you know, didn't get too mad when I was constantly rearranging my room um, at all hours of the night, <laughs> my uh, childhood room. So anyways, I think that's a little bit of, like, what my childhood was like. And I actually grew up right around here in Sarasota, oh. Florida, which is probably a big part of it. I mean, it's a small town here on the coast, but it also is just really 
attractive to interesting people from all over the world. So I feel like I had a lot of interesting viewpoints and opportunities from the get-go because of where we lived. Definitely. And I remember um, probably a few months ago, you shared your childhood home when you were at your parents. Yes. And it was gorgeous. Like, I remember there was like, I feel like floral patterns and um, like yes. a canopy of sorts, maybe. And I, it, it's just so beautiful. Yes. <laughs> you are so right. I peaked in high school. Um, <laughs> my room, I mean, <laughs> at least. Um, but no, they, they were like really, my mom especially, so encouraging of my the things I was interested in and I yeah I would just love spending as much time as possible in fabric stores and um yeah so that was That's that was so a big fun. part of who I am definitely I can see it now and it it's fun to look back and be like oh my gosh there's little inklings of you know who I am today from back then I just didn't see it back then <laughs> yes yes so then when it came time for college, where and what did you end up studying? Was it something to do with interior design or something completely different? So I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas. I loved my time there. I was looking for a liberal arts education mm-hmm. and my mom had considered it for grad, for law school. Uh, whenever my dad's a physician and while he was looking at residency programs, she would look at the law school program. So when they were out in Dallas for him, she looked at SMU and they ended up in Florida and then in Massachusetts. So she never, she never got to go to SMU, but it was always on her mind. So when I looked, she was like, Hey, why don't you check it out? And that ended up being a great place. However, as far as interiors, I didn't really understand everything that went into becoming a true interior designer, licensed, accredited, et cetera. And I, in hindsight, everything is meant to be for a reason, you know, but in hindsight, if I'd known more, I think I probably would have tried to get into a more formal interior design program. Mm -hmm. Um, because I had it in my mind of like, Oh, I could just, you know, figure it out while I'm (laughs) in undergrad. And, you know, you certainly can do that with different interiors goals, like interior decorating or styling and things, but the full, the full deal is, you know, a lot more of a process. So mm-hmm. that's a whole other tangent. I actually ended up going to the Art Institute of Dallas while I was at SMU. Um, for almost two years, I was full-time student at both. Um, oh gosh. And I know, uh, because once I realized, I was like, okay, here we go. But I ended up stopping. And this is kind of like sad. My parents got divorced in college. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, well, we can't be paying two tuitions, obviously. And I was at that point, you know, kind of figuring things out on my own. Um, And so I just put my full energy into my SMU experience. And I was a corporate communications, public affairs major there and art history. Um, So that filled that kind of creative side of things. And uh, so I had a great experience with the programs I was in at SMU. And SMU is just such a creative place I think yeah you know a lot of people yeah it's it's really cool so anyways it was it was great yeah oh my gosh that's so funny I feel like I'm like learning so much about you um I had no idea you kind of had an interest in interior design but I didn't realize that you know you were seriously considering pursuing that and man going to two separate schools kind of full-time is it's a lot because I did like yeah. 19 credits because I have two um, degrees technically. And so I, I yeah. know how hard that hustle is. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot, but I also, it filled my bucket in such a way because I loved the learning everything. Like the drafting was so, was, I loved it. You know, it was so different than what I was doing in my um, corporate communications and art history classes. So. Definitely. Okay. So you have your degree then from SMU. So <laughs> then what was your first career? What'd you do after college? Okay. It gets even more wild. <laughs> so <laughs> I graduated in 2009 and that was a tough time mm-hmm. as far as finding jobs right outside of college. I had finished my senior year with an internship in a corporate communications firm in Dallas. That was a great internship. And typically the way that it works is they pick two interns. And if you don't mess it up, you get hired, you know, upon graduation. But it was 2009. So they paused all hiring of any entry like at for across their company. Mm -hmm. So I had to pivot and I pivoted right into teaching. Oh my (laughs) Um, gosh. I, I know I applied to teach for America and was accepted and then started that journey in Dallas. They had just started a core there uh, the year that I graduated and in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so I completely, uh, yeah, it's obviously whiplash year talking about interior design and stuff, but, but teaching is something also, I loved my teachers growing up. I loved school and it was something that I thought about, but pushed away while in undergrad. And so when the time came of like, wow, this is really uh, hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working as a camp counselor for a science camp okay. and essentially teaching science lessons over the summer. And it was so fun and fulfilling. And anyway, so I applied and I also got in, which is kind of hard to do. Teach for America is notoriously pretty difficult to get in. I really did not think that I was going to be accepted. Yeah. <laughs> But I was, and that's that's where that's where I went next. Oh my gosh! So how long then did you end up teaching? Like I, I love that pivot. That's yeah. like completely different, yeah. one eighty, right? <laughs> or no? Yeah. I guess it'd be ninety so, degrees. <laughs> yeah. So I went. I so I was teaching in Dallas, and I was placed in high school English, okay. and I taught high school for three years. So the commitment for Teach for America is two years, but I, I, and many of my colleagues, you know, stay well beyond that. And and many are still teaching to this day or involved in other parts of education. Uh, And I stayed teaching until I had Margaret. Um, I finished out my contract the year that she was born. Even I could do that because my husband Curtis was working at Deloitte and they had paid leave. And so I had to go back to, well, I didn't have to, but I obviously I chose to, um, Mm -hmm. to see, you know, can I balance this whole thing? Um, and he stayed at home full time with Margaret until the end of the school year. So that was 2015. Okay. So, so, okay. So then you now have a little one in this time period yes. that we're telling the story. Yes. Um, now, is this around when you started blogging? Because I feel like you started blogging no. a few years ago. Or so how did we get into blogging? Like? Yes. Okay. So that actually started same time as like trying to figure out what to do, a job. I had more free time on my hands and blogging in 2009 was, you know, really a thing. I was reading blogs. Like I was reading um, Carly, the college prepsters yeah. blog. I loved, loved following her. I loved following um, Summer Wind, Sydney Carver. Mm-hmm. 
And I following isn't even the right word because that wasn't a thing. I would just literally sign on to like blog, you know, I'd get on the internet and type in like college prepster, yeah. like, you know, and read what's up. Like, um, and then even like Melissa Smarker, she had a blog and she was local and that was fun to read somebody who had that local bend. And so I jumped into it on my own and was just kind of sharing you know, online diary style about like what was going on um, in my life and what things I was interested in. And then when I was accepted into Teach for America and started the training process Mm -hmm. and started the school year, the time, it was just too much to balance that um, with it. Like, so it really went by the wayside, but it had always been in the back of my mind that I enjoyed it. And as I watched the industry evolve, like completely and totally evolve. I was always wondering, like, what if I just stayed with it? Even if it'd been like one post a month, what if I'd never quit? Um, So then it wasn't until I actually moved from Dallas, where I was living, I lived there for 13 years uh, total, to back to our hometown areas here in Florida, that I started blogging, which was um, 2019. I started blogging again. Well, I didn't realize it was that recent then. So wow, it was right before 2020 and all. Yes, um, yeah, right before. <laughs> so with that, then, you know, obviously we talked about a little bit of the reasoning for you starting to blog, um, but kind of what was, you know, that aha moment of like, you know what, I'm going to dive in, I'm going to yeah. start blogging and take it, you know, probably more seriously than the first time around. Um, right. What was that like? And kind of, did you have a strategy or, or was it more still at that point, kind of just fun and like, you know, taking it more seriously, but figuring it out as you go. It was a little bit of both. And the aha moment for me came with meeting my friend, Sarah Tucker here mm-hmm. in real life. The meant to be odds of that were are amazing to me. Our kids are in the same class. She was the room parent the year that I moved back into town. And, um, but I had started following her on Instagram absolutely randomly because Lee of Do Say Give shared a few ladies that she follows and Sarah was one of them. And I was like, Oh, she's so cute. Like love. We love blue and white. We love similar taste, you know, and I didn't even know she was from Florida at that moment. And then when we were about to move, I, it caught my eye that it said Palmetto, Florida, which is right by Bradenton. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are the odds? I can ask her some questions now. Like, where does she get her kids clothes monogrammed? You know, all the important things. (laughs) And, uh, but I actually led with, we already have it figured out where our, you know, oldest is going to school and we have doctors and stuff. And she's like, Oh, so funny. Like, where are they going to school? And then we find out not only are our kids going to be in the same school, but they're in the same grade. And our husbands, like I was in school with her husband. He was just a few years older and Curtis was in high school with him. I, it just is incredible to me, but meeting her in real life, like, and seeing what she did and seeing how she lived as a person, it wasn't like all consuming of her time and her energy. I mean, it is and it isn't, but like, I just, she's so real and she's exactly who she was on her blog and on Instagram as the room mom that was planning the Halloween treat bags, you know, with me, I was like, you know what? Like I, I could do this. I would love to do this. And you know, you can really, you can really do this and be yourself. And um, so she was really open to ask, answering questions uh, that I had and helped me kind of envision what I needed to do logistically to get started. Like, you know, uh, 
from Bluehost and like, you know, buying themes and plugins and things like that. And that, that was really helpful, but like spiritually, it was really influential to like meet her as a person because I could envision it for myself. That's so wild. I mean, what are the odds? Clearly, it was the right place and the right time. And um, that's so amazing. So I want to talk a little bit then about launching it. You mentioned, you know, Sarah was helpful in that and telling you all about Bluehost and templates and how to get set up. Um, What were some of the other things? Because you launched then um, with a blog and an Instagram, because I feel like a lot of people these days just launch with an Instagram. And then, you know, five years later, they're like, oh, I should probably have a blog too. Yes, yes. I knew I wanted the blog piece to it. And I wish I did more. I'm continuing to try to nurture the blog aspect of it because I enjoy the long form sharing, which is evident in a lot of my Instagram posts are entirely too wordy. (laughs) I just can't help it. Um, But I knew that I needed the blog piece part of that to be able to to share more. And um, so I knew it could be serious, like you were mentioning, you know, was it always fun? Or was it just, you know, I knew it could be. Uh, and maybe that's what scared me. I had the website I had going by grace was my like first, you know, I had that for three years before I ever launched it. So before I even moved back to Florida and stuff, I had like purchased the domain name and everything. Um, and was just sitting on it because I was scared, I think to like, I knew I could take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the industry had grown, I saw that it could be something that was, an actual job, which I think like is still a wild concept for a lot of people right now. But, you know, it is, you know, very well that it is the case that you can, you can make your career this. Mm -hmm. And so, but I also knew at the time when I started it, Catherine was my youngest, just about to turn one. I was still very much in the baby stage. Um, And so I knew I needed to kind of grow in a sustainable way and take it slow and see and learn throughout that. So I tried to balance the two attitudes, which is challenging for me because I like to have things right then, you know? Uh, Yeah. And I feel like a lot of moms, I hear that from them, like the balance of being present, the balance of like knowing what to share, like I think I haven't had to deal with that yet. We just come here and we haven't had kids yet. But I I see a lot of influencers that I follow um, kind of dealing with that. And even some, you know, think that they want to do it one way and then end up, um, you know, taking some time off and coming back to it or, um, you know, not sharing anything at all that has to do with their kids or some, you know, decided, you know, they kind of like the fact that it's kind of an online diary and showing them grow up and kind of um, something that they can come back to. So, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you're not alone in that. Yeah, it's definitely the 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 kid aspect of it is really interesting because it's also part of what pushed me. There's been a few things along the way that pushed me into this. Mm-hmm. And when I started having kids, I turned to blogs and social media and website. Like I turned to the recommendations of other moms and it meant so much to me and was so helpful that I think that's been a part of like when I launched it, the fact that she was a baby was a challenge, but it was also, I was still in it. And I felt like I could make some recommendations of like through trial and error, here's what we travel with that we're happy to have along the way, you know, through trial and error, here's the wipes that seem the least, you know, abrasive. (laughs) I don't know. And uh, yeah, so I think that has been the part of it, but I knew I didn't want to be 
a quote mommy blogger. I don't even really know what that means. But I wanted, <laughs> uh, I I wanted to, my children and my my identity as a mother is one of is is so important to me first and foremost. You know, um, so I wanted that to be a part of it, but I didn't want it to be the whole thing. Yeah. No, yeah. that makes complete sense. Um, so how would you say your blog has evolved in the past couple of years since you started? And for those listening who might not follow you yet, might not read your blog yet, like what what can they find on your blog and your Instagram these days? So the first evolution is that now it's just gracehamlin.com. Before it was going by grace and not much has changed. I mean, it's still there's still evidence of going by Grace, you know, on there, the name coming from the fact that Grace is my middle name. And so my whole life, I've had to say, oh, I go by Grace. Oh, I go by Grace. Oh. I go by Grace. Uh, so it was just kind of a nod to that. Um, but I share a lot of the same things. I highlight everything from style with a specific focus on size, inclusive fashion and entertaining, celebrating travel, just it's, I think another thing that held me up from getting back into it is that I heard the advice over and over again from people that I trusted and it's well-intentioned, but mm-hmm. to have a niche, you need to really have a niche in order to grow. And that's true. I think people that have a hyper-focused niche can grow a lot more quickly, but that held me back because I was like, well, I like to talk about all these different things. And I also connect with other bloggers and influencers who talk about not just one. I appreciate the niche when I need mm-hmm. it, you know, like, uh, but anyway, so that held me back a little bit. And so if you come to gracehamlin.com, you're going to get a little bit of everything. I love that. And wait, what is your real first name then? I had no idea about this either. <laughs> oh yeah. So anytime I post a bag with a monogram on it, I, I always get this question at some like, like Barrington, you know, I got to be prepared because T is my first initial oh. and I love it when people guess too, but my first name is Tamara, which is also my mom's first name. Oh my gosh, and, I had no idea. And for some reason, I've never yeah. noticed that with your monogram. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Um, I Yeah, so it's Tamara Grace Ham. Well, Tam, I was Williams. Um, and actually, fun fact, I kept my maiden name uh, and was four names, Tamara Grace Williams Hamlin, for five years oh uh, because I was just, I didn't want to get rid of my maiden name. Not, <laughs> I just, it was, I don't know. And then that was such a hassle. I finally, before I had Margaret, I was like, yeah, we're not going to, this is too complicated. Um, and so anyways, but so I, yeah, my mom is Tamara and she's always been Tamara. And so when I was born, nobody called me Tamara. Everyone called me Grace right away. So people sometimes be like, why don't you go by Tamara? And I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you go by like, you know, a complete, it's like not your, you know, it's, this is what I'm called. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. That's anyway. so funny. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about how on your blog you talk about and feature all sorts of things. I wanted to talk about, you know, you feature also, in addition to beautiful tables and, you know, great outfits from Tucker Nuck and cool brands, you feature some of the, like, the non-fluffy stuff. So, you know, size inclusivity, social injustices, all of that, like, you're not afraid to talk about that, whereas a lot of people will shy away from certain topics like that. Um, yeah. So yeah. I want I want to hear, obviously, I think we all know the thought process of why you would do that. Yeah. But 
to be brave and, you know, I'm sure people are telling, have told you, you know, you know, stay away from the political stuff or stay away from right. anything like that. Um, what was your decision yeah. to start doing that and kind of how's the reaction been and um, what advice would you have someone because to someone who's, you know, kind of thinking about that or scared of, of posting things like that? Yeah. So that is a really important question uh, as far as what advice would I have? Because I do understand that it is super challenging. I very intimately understand that. So I am quick to extend some grace, uh, not <laughs> that's the, you know, to people who are struggling, because even for me, if you notice there's ever a delay in between a current event, let's say, and my ability to share, a lot of that is I'm also processing as a human, the experience of something that is difficult to receive and articulate then thoughts on it. Uh, so I would say I understand that it's hard. And then I would say, but at the end of the day, I think I see it as I've been given this privilege and responsibility of having a large platform growing, or maybe for some people, this isn't large, for some people, this is huge, you know, but it's growing. And as it does, I would like to build in this part of it because I feel like I owe it to the privilege that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like the turning point for me personally was the turning point for a lot of people. And it was the murder of George Floyd happened when I was relatively new to sharing in this public way. And it was at that point that I just knew I couldn't, I had to say something and and I wasn't sure what, cause you know, it was a tense time, but that's just how I started of like, this is, here are some ideas and of how we can, you know, in our home as mothers talk about race and inclusion, equality, fairness, social justice. And here are some of the things I'm doing and also invite people to learn with me because I can't come at this and pretend like I'm some sort of expert on, on it. But okay. what I can do is say that we're, all trying to do our best and learn together and invite people along with me on that. And then the other thing I will say is that personally, I've had a very serious evolution of how I feel politically, how I feel from an ideological perspective, that I grew up and felt pretty entrenched in one way of thinking. And then my time teaching in the communities where I did through Teach for America and then beyond. I mean, I I had years and years of a front row seat to some of the biggest problems in our country facing some of the most underserved and neglected communities. Mm -hmm. And I think my, I had a, I had the fortune of having kind of a slow, like transition, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't quite this like, uh, fire hose, tiny cup situation that I feel like some people have have had. It was like a I got to work and collaborate with my colleagues who came to the table with a completely different perspective and viewpoint and were gracious with me when I, you know, was bumbling around with <laughs> microaggressions or aggression aggressions. And um, I really also feel like I owe it to to them to take this opportunity to to speak up when I when I can. Definitely. And I think you know, you do a great job because I feel like whenever you've hosted, you haven't been 
like I, I don't want to say yelling at people because you know a lot of times it's just <laughs> yeah. text on an Instagram story. But the way yeah. you come across it's it's more of a teaching moment, which might be you know to do with your background, and you share resources and links for people to to yeah. read up on their own. And um, I I think the way you go about it is very shall I say graceful. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I try. I don't, I want people to feel welcome and invited to the conversation. And I do think that sometimes it can come, there are instances where, and I understand it too. Like I think my patience is even a reflection of the privilege that I have, if that makes sense. Um, And also sometimes I don't feel patient, but sometimes I just keep things to myself um, because also I'm allowed to do that. (laughs) So I want to ask you, what would you say is the hardest and the best part about, you know, being an influencer, being a blogger? I think they're uh, two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. I think that the lack of boundaries, (laughs) like the fact that, you know, I'm in charge of setting my, and I, I can't only imagine how you experience this, Patricia, like you're in charge of like setting your working hours mm-hmm. and you, it, there's this idea that you're always available. Yeah. Um, and, and also sometimes I want to be, but that isn't healthy. Yeah. And uh, so I think that is one of the most challenging parts is like really defining, making this into a sustainable boundary, uh, healthy job. Yep. But then the other side of that coin is because I am in many ways in charge of that. It is the kind of job where I can have a lot of freedom and flexibility to, first of all, explore things that light my fire creatively and also be available and present for my children and my family, my husband and my friends. And so I think right now I'm just trying to find that balance as everybody, everybody is with everything. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that's so hard. And, um, you know, it's hard to find that balance that way you don't get burnout that way you still can have that passion and enjoy it. Cause when you're burning at both ends, then, you know, it's not going to last for long. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, so when it comes to marketing and getting the word out about your blog, your Instagram, your socials, what's worked for you? I feel like um, a lot of brands, especially, are always curious about this when it comes to influencers. Like, how have you grown your following? Any tips for that? Yes, I would say that the other favorite thing of mine about this this position, this job is that it's just very people centered. Mm -hmm. And so my tip would be networking. And that means networking with brands and with influencers and people and start thinking of them as your colleagues too. Um, Because there's not colleagues in the traditional sense, I feel like in this industry, but when you network with the right brands and the right people, and I mean this in like the most positive way, like you truly build a community that it tracks the right kind of audience to you. So when I am intentional about working with brands that I do, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to, to do it in big and small ways, you know, um, I then am in front of their audience, which in the best case scenario is a group of people that would also be interested in me and what I have to share. So when you're really intentional about picking those partnerships, as well as, networking with other influencers and content creators 
who you feel like you share similar styles, yes, but also like ideologies and certain other aspects of, you know, personality where it's like Netflix, where it's like, if you liked watching this, then you'll also like watching this. And so then in the best case scenario, the people in their audience also would like you as well. And it's so helpful and valuable to have those colleagues in this space because I, I find it keeps it interesting. And also I, I don't feel alone, yeah. you know, um, I'm so grateful for them. I, that's one of my favorite parts about, you know, blogging and working in PR is the networking and getting to know people Mm -hmm. with like personalities or like interests. And I I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the best things about social media. Like there's so much bad with social media and, um, Mm -hmm. but I've met so many amazing people through it, honestly. Same, same. I think the good for me outweighs the bad, it, it's the humanity of social media is what is special. And I don't want it to be lost, you yeah. know, and the amount of cool like artists and people that, you know, you have introduced me to that are just so creative and interesting and wonderful. And, and then, I mean, then people now I can call friends, yeah. like friend, 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 friends and colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just very, very special. So I would say that is a part of marketing. I mean, there's yeah. some more tactical tips too, like, you know, I've done the boosted posts on Instagram and like, honestly, sometimes that works really great. It does the same thing where it hopefully puts you in front of an audience that will respond to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works really well. I get a lot of people that say they found me from certain partnerships, like mm-hmm. people who found me through lands in boosting my post or through the Tucker Knock hashtag. Um, and I wish I did that more and like figured out like, how did you find me? You know, yeah. like, uh, customer service kind of <laughs> t- ticket, like when it's like, how did you learn about our business? Yeah. Um, no, that's yeah. awesome. So um, speaking of talking to readers and followers, what's been the best thing that you've heard like a reader or follower say to you? Uh, I love, I love talking to them. I really do. Like, I know sometimes it can be overwhelming the amount of DMs and, and such, but again, that's what makes this job special is it's real people on the other end of this who are living their lives. And I just think it's so cool. Uh, I think that anytime I get a comment that's like, I didn't buy clothes for the past three years, but I didn't feel like I deserved it, you know, on my, on my body. Cause it's, you know, looks this way or whatever, or people who are like, yeah, I haven't worn a swimsuit to the pool with my kids or gotten in the water, you know, <laughs> and, and then they say, but I did because I saw your post or thank oh. you for that. I, you know, bought this dress and I feel so good in it. And they'll send me pictures of themselves, like trying on the dress or they'll send me pictures of themselves in their family photos where they're like, I actually felt so beautiful. And like, I, I never anticipated like that kind of reach. Yeah. And, and it, and it is so wonderful to hear. And I am so grateful for the people that take the time to give me that feedback because I save everything. I screenshot it and put it in a folder for a rainy day. Uh, the rainy day being when people I mean. <laughs> who are not that nice <laughs> yeah. come out to play. Because <laughs> that's like such a small percentage of the time. And I have to remind myself that that's like the minority and that's just yeah. sad for them. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. I, I'm sure that like makes your day when you see pictures like that and messages yeah. like that. And it makes, you know, putting your life out on the internet worth it, right? Totally. Absolutely. It's like not for nothing, you know? Um, Yeah. 
So you've worked with some really cool brands and collaborated on a lot of fun things. What's been one of your favorite projects you've worked on or something you've been invited to? So I think that there's so many that I could answer with there, but some of the brands that I've been wearing literally forever, like Land's End, Talbot's, Lily Pulitzer, and then not wearing, but going to Disney when I got to actually partner with them. Um, Those were just true pinch me moments. And I just really incredibly special. And I look forward to continuing to work with them and learning about small businesses and brands that I would never have otherwise heard of. Like I just, I love it all, but I will say, and you worked with us on this, the Lisey Lurch Florida Friends collection was my first time really having something go through that creative process of sketching it out, sending it in, seeing samples, touching the samples, wearing it, (laughs) like shooting it, styling it, and then selling it and seeing it on other people and having friends and people send pictures of like, we just saw this in this gift store here in North Carolina, or here's your earrings here. You know, I mean, it just was a really incredible experience. And I think one of my favorite projects to work on, I just now I can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Val, it was so fun. And your pieces that you guys designed are like some of my favorite. I just wore some when we were in Cape May this weekend. Um, And they're just so classic and um, have that little beachy, almost vintage flair to them. So that was so fun to help organize. Oh, thank you. Um, In terms of inspiration, like who inspires you when it comes to, to blog stuff or business stuff, would you say? I think when I dig deep, my mom and I talk about this often, my grandmother, her mother, Wanda, who I grew up calling Gaya because my cousin Jenny couldn't say grandma. So she's called her Gaya. And then we all just called her Gaya. Um, So my grandma, Gaya, um, was incredibly creative and also was a big source of inspiration for me growing up. And now um, setting the table for the people that you love and doing it with the things that you have She is a child of immigrants and of a time when money and disposable income was not really lush. And so she was a great woman who was beautiful, elegant, classic, and worked with what she had and appreciated every single thing. And so from a a spiritual level, she inspires me with her faith. And I wish she was still here Uh, We miss her very much, but I think about her often when I'm doing what I'm doing now. She would be so thrilled, also scared of the internet, but so thrilled. (laughs) And she had a gift store for men uh, as one of her jobs. And um, she loved talking about bringing in the beautiful accessories and things and gifts for for an underserved population at the time that wasn't very common to have a gift store for men. Um, And so I just... I'm always inspired by the legacy that she's left. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. She sounds like such an amazing woman. She was, yeah. Uh, Who would be your dream collab to do something with? I know you've worked with, like we said, some amazing brands and businesses. um, But if there's, you know, someone out there that you could put out into the universe that would be a dream for you, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) This is so hard. Okay. So... I would want it to be uh, a collab where I could 
bring in a lot of the things that I love, like an ideal situation would be like a head to toe to table kind of collab, uh, where, you know, it's things that you wear, things that you put on your table. Um, and especially as someone who, for whom size inclusivity is really important, I would want it to be where I could also offer things that just are not seen as much in my size range, like, you know, cute tennis clothes or um, swimwear and stuff. And so anyways, I've thought about it a lot and I feel like I'm a Southern gal. So Dillard's is always in my heart yeah. and I, that would just be an absolute dream. And a new to the game player that I just in recent years started shopping was Tucker Nuck. And I feel like they're doing so much too, that that would be an absolute dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I love one all day. Of pieces. <laughs> no, yes, I like it. We're putting day. it out there into the universe. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I just saw Blake Shelton did a Land's In collab. So, you oh. know, maybe Land's In, me and Blake, and then me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So preppy to me, like right away, the synonym that pops into my mind is classic. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are specific guidelines for what preppy, I read the preppy handbook. (laughs) I own it. I know like what the actual definitions and stuff are, but I think classic and preppy to me was also a refuge because growing up in the teenage years when I wanted to look, I wanted to be in style, but a lot of the like teen sections and teen stores I couldn't fit into, um, And so I then was shopping in like women's clothes, but I didn't want to look like I was on my way to a business lunch. And so I really adapted the preppy look because I could wear Lacoste and Polo and Lily Pulitzer. And, and you know what? I'm so glad I did because it was like always in style. It was classic. And like, I still, my kids will be able to hoard those pieces and my kids will be able to wear them. And I just... Yeah, I think classic is what comes to mind. Definitely. That's a great answer. Um, I know, like you said, you've traveled to some great places with the blog, even without the blog. Where's your favorite place to go and where's somewhere on your bucket list? So I think people who are just coming to my life in like chapter 12 right now think that I only go to Disney World. And (laughs) so (laughs) I want to clear that up. Love Disney so much. But I've also traveled quite a bit that would I think surprise people. I've been to, you know, Europe all over, Australia, New Zealand, Russia. Like I (laughs) I truly love to travel. Um, And uh, so I would love to revisit some of those places, Australia, just is so huge. I would love to go back. And that I think is, is a bucket list item. Um, and there are so many, honestly, like how do, how do I pick? But <laughs> one of my, I, I, one of my favorite places, I mean, I, I love France yeah. and I feel like I've gone again and again and again, and I could keep going, um, and never get tired of it. Yep. There's so many places there and it's beautiful. There's just so many places. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know you're in a book club. So I wanted to ask you, what's the last thing you read and then something you'd recommend people to check out? Okay. The last thing I read was so good and I would highly recommend it. And my best friend, Susan, uh, from growing up. So she knows me like to inside and out, Mm -hmm. right? Susan recommended The Paper Palace and she was so right. It was so good. Have you read that? No. 
it oh, it's so good. I love it so okay. much. Um, so I highly recommend that for an entertaining, like can't page turning, can't put it down kind of read. Ooh, okay. Um, and I finished that. I also just started People We Meet on Vacation. Yeah, I just um, read that. Which oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, I love it so much. Like mm-hmm. I, and I'm also rereading The Whole Brain Child. Very different, obviously. Um, but I read that in grad school, and as a teacher, mm-hmm. and now I'm rereading it as a parent. Uh, and I would recommend that also to other parents for just learning about how their kids think in the childhood development. Cause I wasn't an elementary teacher. And so a lot of times people will be like, Oh, well you're a teacher. So like, oh, this yeah. is so easy. And I was like, no, no, I was teaching middle school. school. Like that is very different mm-hmm. than a three-year-old learning the alphabet or, you know, a seven-year-old learning multiplication. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, brain child. <laughs> okay. And I'll have to check out the paper palace for sure. Yes. You would love it. So what's next for you? Any sneak peeks that you can let people know about? Anything you're working on? Anything fun coming up? So by the time I think people have listened to this, I will have gone and come back from the Southern Sea out at Round Top, which I'm super excited to be there. Um, And I'm also going to be going back to Georgia. I had such a great time last year. So that's, I'm not working on, but that's, you know, a little, some tea, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, this, and I think I'm so excited to say, but we're doing another Florida friends collection with Lisey Lurch and we are also excited and we so appreciate the warm reception that we had from our colleagues and our audiences. And we hope to bring, we've already done some like polling and research to see kind of what they want to see. And, um, so that is our next big project. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We're like in the design phases right now. So we can't wait to share with everyone what you guys come up with. Yes, we can't wait. So my final question is where can people find you? Let them know your Instagram handle, your blog URL, all of that so that they can read your blog and they can follow along and uh, learn more about you. Yes. So you can go to gracehamlin.com to read my blog. And I'm also going to be starting a newsletter like within the next month. So you can get on the list for that. And on Instagram, it's just at Grace Hamlin. I'm also on TikTok. Uh, That is a little more chaotic. I'm just (laughs) kind of experimenting there. But that is just at Grace Hamlin on TikTok is my handle. And then I'm also going to be experimenting with YouTube shorts Mm -hmm. as another way of sharing information that is often requested like packing lists and whatnot, uh, or tell me more about like the princess tea or whatever. So it's a good, another good way of like sharing quick bursts of information in a thorough and helpful way. So I'm going to experiment with that. Awesome. I can't wait to see that. I like don't know anything about it. So <laughs> I didn't either, but I, it was recommended to me by someone in media that I trust. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, like they wouldn't say this lightly. So I'm going to just, yep. Go, go for it. So. I love that. Well, this has been so much fun, Grace. I learned so much about you, like your first real name. <laughs> and so, yeah. much so I loved having you on. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And for following along from the beginning. You really have, and you've been so supportive, and I appreciate it. Aww. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.